Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek, co-host of Anxiety Slayer with my wonderful partner, Ananga Sivir. But she lets me do the interviews, which I absolutely love. With almost 5 million downloads and hundreds of podcasts, Anxiety Slayer is a podcast for anyone suffering from PTSD, panic attacks, stress, and anxiety. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Corinne Zupko. Corinne is a licensed counselor, mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher, and author. Corinne undertook her study of psychology out of necessity when debilitating anxiety threatened to derail her life. Seeking ways to do more than temporarily alleviate her symptoms, Corinne began to study A Course in Miracles, mindfulness meditation, and the latest therapeutic approaches for treating anxiety. As she healed her own mental anguish, she created the perception-shifting process she describes in her new book, From Anxiety to Love, a radical new approach for letting go of fear and finding lasting peace. Welcome, Corinne. Thank you so much for having me, Shan. I'm so honored to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you here. I loved reading your book. What a fantastic, helpful guide for people. My hand is on my heart with gratitude. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So you recently published this book not too too long ago, and I'd like you to start our conversation today by telling us what inspired you to take your experiences forward and your education and all of the things that came together with the perfect storm to write this book. Perfect storm is probably a perfect way of describing it because it was my own experience with the depths of anxiety that really shaped my entire life. It shaped my career and it led me to writing this book. I suffered from anxiety beginning at a very young age. My first psychiatric diagnosis was around the age of two of separation anxiety disorder. As I grew up, I had phobias, I had worries. I remember worrying my parents were gonna die. Illness anxiety set in as I became an adolescent and teenager and things got really intense for me. My dark night of the soul was when the panic attacks began and that began when I was in college and that was spurred by the death of a fellow student who I didn't know. It was a very sudden death due to an illness. And it freaked me out so deeply. I just remember feeling like I unraveled at the seams. It was as if any piece that I had known in my life was gone and I never knew if I would find it again. So it was one of the scariest times of my life. But in my journey of healing, I found a pathway that worked for me. And as I started to heal, as I really started to heal, because this was very much a journey, in about 2009, 2010, when I really started diving into my spiritual practice, because I had tried everything else and everything else didn't always get to the core of where my anxiety was coming from. As I started healing, as the anxiety literally started falling away, I started writing about what was helping me and the result comprises the pages of From Anxiety (laughs) to Love. Oh, that's so cool. 
I'd like you to talk a little bit about how the Course in Miracles, or A Course in Miracles, helped you heal mental anguish and, and move forward through, because obviously that seems to me like that's part of that spiritual opening mm-hmm, and exploration. Definitely. Definitely. So A Course in Miracles, for anybody listening who hasn't heard of it before, it's a book. It is a spiritual and metaphysical text that helps us work with our thoughts and is really about ultimately a shift in identity from a small sense of self, a limited sense of self, a belief that I am just this body and that's it, to a larger awareness, a larger knowing, not just notice, I'm not saying belief, but a knowing, an experiential knowing that we are something much greater than just these bodies. Now, this pathway fit perfectly for me because as I said already, I tried many other approaches. Therapy, and again, I'm a therapist, so I love therapy, but it only helped me to a certain point because my anxiety was very existential. I wrestled with questions like, why the heck are we here? What is this? You know, Mm -hmm. if, if people say that God is love, how can a loving God create things that die? Like that just didn't seem loving to me at all. And my biggest anxiety trigger was body stuff, was health stuff. So when swine flu broke out, SARS, like I could literally go in history in my mind and remember, you know, all the different outbreaks of all these different things and the terror that I experienced inside that those things were going to happen to me or my loved ones, or, you know, that that was just going to be it. And I was a master hypochondriac. So every pain that I'd feel, I was convinced would be a di- you know, horrible disease. Google <laughs> will always tell you the worst case scenario. I, you know, I rushed to the internet, Google my symptoms. And of course you're going to find reflected back to you, your fear. So for anybody relating, <laughs> I recommend ceasing from doing that. But yes, Ananga, <laughs> I always say, please don't Google yourself. No, yeah, stay the worst. Away from, <laughs> yeah, stay away from that because it will, it'll just send you right down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And so A Course in Miracles, being this approach, this deeply spiritual approach that started addressing some of these deep existential questions that I was wrestling with, and it being a system to have an experience of something beyond, you know, what I'm aware of on a day-to-day basis, it clicked for me immediately, even though I didn't always understand intellectually what it was saying. Because if anybody listening has dabbled in A Course in Miracles, you know it's not a light read. It's a pretty heavy read. You don't really know what it's talking about a lot of times, which is also one of my goals of my book was to really break it down and make it be understandable. But A Course in Miracles is about experiencing miracles. Miracles being either internal shifts in perception from fear to love or external miracles being expressions of love. So those experiences that we have when we are really just resting in peace and love and joy. And I don't mean romantic love. I mean like big love, like love of the universe, the love that unites all of us. So it was an experiential, psychological, um, spiritual approach that clicked for me. And instead of mastering my fear, the course helped me start to master the opposite, which the opposite of fear is love. Yeah. And as I dove into that, I literally found the fears, the anxieties start to fall away, just like a snake sheds its old skin. What a relief, huh? Oh, 
<laughs> and I mean, just to paint a quick picture of the before and after, and this is one of the changes in me that still stops me in my tracks and just it causes me to really appreciate how far I've come. I used to not be able to fly on an airplane either at all, or I'd obsess about it for weeks leading up to it. Or if I had to do it, I'd either be on medication or white knuckling a meditation the whole time because I was terrified and I wouldn't fly alone. Now I'm flying all over the place at times in turbulence and still feeling rock solid peace. So this is the, but you know, the possibilities um, for healing are just extremely deep mm, with this pathway. They sure are. You talk about freeing your mind from fear and the comfort that comes with connecting to our inner therapist. I'd like to know how our listeners can learn to listen and communicate with their inner therapist, which I think of as love, versus their inner critic, which I think of as ego and fear. Yeah, and that's exactly it. So the first step is really recognizing that we have these two thought systems in our mind. We have a thought system of fear, which is what usually runs the show, and just turn on the news and you'll see that ego thought system in action. We also have this loving thought system in our minds, this thought system that I refer to as your inner therapist or your inner healer, or think of it as your higher mind or your intuition. And this part of our mind knows love. It knows that love unites us, that love is what we are. And we, through practice, can get better at distinguishing between which thought system is running the show right now and making a conscious choice to say no to the ego thought system and to say, yes, I'm going to listen to my inner therapist or I'm going to listen to love instead. And the way that that looks can be a little bit different for different people, but I like to always emphasize that listening to guidance or listening to love or listening to your inner therapist, it's not a voice necessarily. We experience fear, I think, often as a voice, you know, a thought, also, of course, an experience in our bodies, but the voice of fear is, you know, I should have done this, or I shouldn't still be feeling this way, or I should be further along on the path, you know, than I am. That voice of love, in my experience, is a feeling in your body. It's a feeling of peace. It's a feeling of resonance. And so as we get out of our heads, and into our bodies to feel, you know, where is this quote unquote loving voice trying to speak to me? We can tap into our inner intuition. We can tap into that loving thought system, that loving voice through our bodies. And it certainly does take practice, but it is possible. And I suspect that practice really begins with the awareness of, of what's happening when that inner critic or when your ego starts going off the rails and, and being able to say, oh, oh, there that is again. Yes. Um, what, what do I know? You know? What have I learned? How can I care for myself when that comes up? Yes, that awareness is everything. So I like to refer to that awareness as a practice of radical self-honesty. As we are aware, as we look into our minds and our experiences, we need to be honest with ourselves, with our inner therapist, about what's coming up, about what we are thinking. And most of the time, when we experience a really ugly, judgmental thought, which we all do, we don't want to admit it because it's ugly. It's socially unacceptable. We want to just pretend it wasn't there. But 
this awareness practice, this practice of honesty is about actually saying, wait a second, that did just go through my mind and yuck. (laughs) And I want to do something about it. I want to experience a miracle instead. And in that process of catching that thought, being aware, being honest, we then have a choice. This is where anxiety sufferers have a fabulous gift. And our gift is that we have a very easy time recognizing fear. And I know everybody can relate to this. You can feel that slightest twinge of anxiety start creeping up your back. You know, you know, the moment that you start feeling off, you can sense it. At least I could. And so our choice then is to say, okay, this is of ego. You know, this is a fear. This is that judgmental thought that I just had inner therapist, voice of love, higher mind, intuition, whatever you want to call it, help me. I want a miracle. I want to shift. We can take that fear to this loving part of our mind and ask for an exchange, which is a new perception. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, it sure does. It it makes so much sense. It makes me think about, I'll share a, a short story where this just came up. I went to the place where I grew up for the first time in 20 years. I took my daughter down to a concert and um, decided it would be cool to show her where I grew up, my house, where I went to high school, all of that, my old stomping grounds. And I came back and I was just feeling so many different things. And not, you know, not all of it was was negative, but some of it really was. Some There was some shame that came up. There was some guilt that came up. There were some memories that um, I had stuffed away. And and rather than beat myself up because I've been doing my own practice around this kind of stuff, I was aware of it. And so what I decided to do was instead of start bashing my, my teenager, is honor my inner teenager. And I came home, Corinne, and I created a little altar. I found my high school picture I, I found some items from, you know, long ago that are, are still special to me as, as well as some healing crystals and flowers and stuff like that. And some kind words that some people had shared with me recently, people from my past that I hadn't talked to in a long time, kind, loving things that they had to say that in my mind, I would never have believed that that was true. And I put all of that together and I said a prayer. And I let that one in me know how much I love her and appreciate her and honor her and that she did the best she could with the information she had at the time. And sometimes she was reckless and sometimes she was the biggest hearted young person on the planet and that, it, and that it's all good. I'm still, this practice is happening right now because it's just happened. So that'll remain up for the month of July while I do this work. I absolutely love that because that honoring of that part of oneself that, you know, whatever it, whatever came up where then we have that tendency to want to go into self-blame or self-judgment or, or guilt, whatever that feeling is, if we can pause and instead what you're doing, which in your example, I love is honoring that part of yourself that did the best she could at that time and sitting with that and being with it. That's the compassionate, loving piece of this inner therapist, of this loving thought system in our minds that we are literally pausing to let step in. So I love your example of how you Oh, good. 
I thought you might, because it was just one of those things where, where I could uh, give thanks that I had the tools and, and the resources and the ability to go there mm-hmm. versus to carry things that, that I really was ready to let go of a long, long time ago. You know, they just were, re- they were just resurfacing. Mm-hmm. So was that, was that going to be a big thing or no, it's not because, because I love her. And so now I walk by this altar and sometimes I crack up and sometimes I pray and <laughs> sometimes I'm grateful. You know, I give thanks that I'm alive and you know, all of these things that come through versus making it dark and sticky and painful and, and putting me in a fetal position, you know? Mm, yeah. So anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and just one more thing that I'll add is just the importance of self-forgiveness, of again, being able to forgive ourselves and again, appreciate that we did the best we could at the yes. time and letting it be, you know, that versus going down that ego spiral of self-judgment and self-condemnation, which is just simply the ego fueling itself and then taking hold. So I love how we, we really literally every moment have a choice between which voice we're going to listen to. Mm, we do. Many of our Anxiety Slayer listeners suffer from health anxiety. And you talked a little bit about that earlier when you were sharing your, your stories before you started doing all of your great work. I'm wondering, how does releasing guilt and shame help calm our worries about our health and about our body? I love this question. And this is not going to be immediately obvious, but... I had an experience. So again, health anxiety was my biggest trigger. It had the power, like a physical pain in my body or a twinge or something being off, had the strength to take me from feeling, you know, happy and peaceful and having a joyous day in a snap to be completely down the spiral staircase in the basement, like of, you know, the depths of anxiety. So that was the strength that illness anxiety would have over me and the relationship with guilt. So I shared in a video that I did that I was having some abdominal pains. And of course that at this point I had been working this process for quite some time, but I had this sort of residue of this thought come up saying, hmm, what is this pain? And is it this? Is it that? And I felt prompted. This is where awareness is so key because we will feel prompts to maybe sit down and get quiet or grab our journal or in my case at that moment, pick up my A Course in Miracles book. And I opened to the book and my eyes landed on a sentence in the course that said, the body will remain guilt's messenger and act as it directs as long as you believe guilt is real. And I went, whoa, now not fully getting what that said at first, but then looking at it, the body will remain guilt's messenger and act as it directs as long as you believe that guilt is real. So I had to stop and look at, well, how do I believe guilt is real? And immediately what came to mind, if I think about the people in my life, my relationships, I can come up with the reason why everybody's guilty. <laughs> I can come <laughs> up with you know, something that they did that was crappy or that I didn't like. And I could also come up with a ton of reasons why I'm guilty, why I feel guilty you know, for little things or just 
sometimes, again, on a deep metaphysical level, A Course in Miracles is saying that we actually all carry unconscious guilt because we think we have separated from love. We think we've separated from one another, from the universe, from the divine. We haven't. That's the grand illusion, but we think we have, and there's unconscious guilt that comes with that. So as I was sitting here reflecting on this, this quote, I had the thought, the inspired thought come to me, there is no guilt in me. I haven't done anything wrong despite, and this applies to everyone listening, despite what we think we've done, what we think maybe others have done to us. Well, I'll get back to that in a minute. Let's stick with ourselves first. Despite whatever I think I've done, I have not changed love. I have not changed source. I have not changed truth, no matter what it is that I think I've done. And therefore, I am not guilty. And I sat with this this phrase, there is no guilt in me. And I invite all of us to say this to ourselves right now. There is no guilt in me. And as I sat with that, immediately then the next step that came to mind was that if there's no guilt in me, well, then there's no guilt in others. Even if I have had crappy things, if I've had people do crappy things to me, in this moment, I am willing to see no guilt in anyone. I'm willing to see what's universal in all of us instead of, you know, somebody's behavior. And as I sat with that, guess what went away? (laughs) The pain (laughs) in my body literally lifted. It literally fell away. And it had been a pain that had been, you know, creeping up for, I think, a couple weeks at that time. So the, this guilt thing goes deep. It's not immediately necessarily accessible. I remember for many years, I felt like, I don't feel guilty. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a nice person, it, it, but it's, it's deeper than that. And as I've continued on this self-exploration journey with diving into my spirituality with literally the pathway of the course is literally about shifting your identity from this small sense of self to a much greater sense of self. In doing that, surprising things will start to come to the surface of guilt of, wow, I do feel you know a lot of guilt for no reason. I'm just sure. feeling it. And so we do have to, again, here comes an awareness. We do need to exercise our awareness to be aware of what's coming up, to acknowledge it, to feel it, because this path is not a bypass. This path is not about not feeling it. We do need to turn toward it to be with it, but we're not doing it alone. This is the piece that I love about this pathway is that if I by myself were to sit here and maybe look at all the crappy things that I've done or all the fears in my mind or whatever it is, I immediately by myself could start feeling like a jerk and pretty awful. But That's not what we're doing. We're looking at our stuff with our inner therapist, with love, Mm -hmm. with our higher mind. And that part of our mind is, it dwells in non-judgment. It is pure non-judgment. And it looks past the crap (laughs) to the truth beyond. And so if we can remember to hold this loving awareness in our minds, as we look at our stuff, as we feel our feelings, there's a cleansing that happens. There's this healing process that happens where literally the fears fall away and what is replaced is our awareness of our connection and the love that we all share. That's so powerful. 
it's good stuff and it works. <laughs> it really is good stuff. I can't, I, I'm, it's hard to believe right now that we've already, that we're, have already been talking for a half an hour. Um, it's just like, wow. Just like we just started our conversation. I'm so grateful that you came to uh, Anxiety Slayer today to share your new book and share your story. And I uh, really enjoyed our conversation so, so much. And I'd like to, before we leave, ask you, what is the number one thing that you hope your readers will take away from your new book? Mm. My number one thing that I hope readers will take away is to know that they are much greater and way more awesome than you currently think that you are. Um, I want you to know that the light in you is too bright to fail. These are words that my stepdad said to me when I was flat out on the couch with anxiety and I say them to you now, the light in you is too bright to fail. We're all gonna make it. (laughs) Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you again, Corinne. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy. You can get a copy of Corinne's book, From Anxiety to Love, wherever books are sold and at from anxietytolove.com forward slash book. Get everything you need to start slaying your anxiety today. Visit anxietyslayer.teachable.com to claim our free Anxiety Slayer starter course. You get four guided sessions, including an EFT tapping session, guided breathing practice, and special module on overcoming the fear of anxiety. Claim your free Anxiety Slayer starter course at anxietyslayer.teachable.com.